Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Good evening. Welcome to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, the Skip Heller Quintet. Skip Heller is a walking encyclopedia, a comprehensive repository of information about music that spans the width and breadth of more artists, songs, and history than most music fans will ever even know exists. And it's not just trivia. Heller knows music like a savant sports statistician knows who had the best batting average in the 1948 World Series. It's a kind of reverence when someone knows who built the house we are all living in. But Heller is not just an academic. He's an active player, composer, and arranger who fronts more than one ensemble that bears his name. For the past few years, he has been billed as the Skip Heller Trio, the Skip Heller Quintet, Skip Heller and the Hollywood Blues Destroyers, and he has worked with scores more. Heller's Quintet is a group of accomplished players which allow him to fully explore his more recent stylistic forays into countrypolitan swing and jazzy blues, and he leads them like a master conductor. Nothing less than excellence is required, and the band strives to meet his exacting expectations. Given his extensive experience, his originals sound like standards, and standards, played by whatever combination of crack musicians he has assembled for the particular gig, sound like originals. It's a blessedly anachronistic thing Heller has going, and it's a sort of national treasure that he is playing the role of guardian of traditional styles with nary a hint of twee irony or flash in the pan posturing. Welcome to Independence Day, Skip Heller and his quintet. Thanks Thank you. for having us. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for coming in. It's good to see you all. It's good to meet you. Skip, welcome back. We had you on with Annie Chelsea not so terribly long ago, and you brought your own ensemble here today. Uh, so very happy to have you guys. But yours, it's different from Annie. You guys, uh, what I was thinking about this as I was doing pre-production for your show. What would you call the style of what you're doing? I don't, uh, I, I can't, uh, I've... <laughs> it's I've, I've rendered him speechless right off my, the bat. Here. My my joke has always been when I was a kid, uh, I would go to record stores and they would have like the international section, and you know, like the French section would be like Edith Piaf and Charles Aznavour yeah, yeah. and all these people who, you know, were coming from sort of different places. I want to be in the international section under American, because yeah, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. I, you know, I've I've. I mean, I've been influenced by a lot of different stuff, and I've worked with a lot of different kinds of musicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, there's part of me that there's part of me that just goes like, yeah. Basically, I'm just a country singer okay. that brings other things into it, and maybe improvises with more jazz rules. Yeah, tell me, tell me about the path you took to get you to where you are now. Because what you're doing now, like I said, it's kind of a loosely jazz inflected country, breezy, cosmopolitan kind of thing, but you weren't always this style. Were you doing, you did more actual jazz jazz initially when you were started out in Philadelphia? You're from Philadelphia. Yeah, uh, actually, I mean, initially what I started out hoping to do and trying to do um, was sort of more like this. My Like the first record I ever bought was Gentle on My Mind, you know, because I would watch the Smothers Brothers. I would watch Johnny Cash. I would watch the Glenn Campbell Show and the Monkees and the Beatles. So there was a lot of, there was a lot of music going on that now people would think of it as yeah. separate, but you know, I, it didn't dawn on me that there was really a big difference between Gentle on My Mind and Petula Clark. I liked both of them. 
Yeah, this comes up a lot in terms of when I when I when I'm talking to musicians. You know, it seems the industry are the ones who want to put us in a bin or in a box. And for us, you know, we're all musicians, and there are you know I like a lot of different music for a lot of different reasons. You know, I have you know I'm not the most diverse guy in the world, but I have Rachmaninoff in my collection, and I have Living Color in my collection, and I have. Yeah, you well, know, you'd probably be interested to know that Vernon Reed, the guitar player in. Living color, living color is also conversant with Rachmaninoff. You know, right? <laughs> yeah, you, definitely. You go to Dave Alvin's house and he has a copy of Glenn Gould playing the Goldberg variation. Yeah, so, we don't make those distinctions. Yeah. And like I said, I, I keep coming back to the phrase: I like different music for different reasons. You know, there's not just different moods, but you know, and it's some of it is seasonal for me. I always play. It's the funniest thing. I always play the Trevor Rabin era. Yes, in the fall for whatever reason, because that's what we were listening to, like 90125 had come out, and then the next one, Big Generator, came out. For some reason, somebody had a copy of that. We listened to it in the fall, growing up in suburban Chicago. So every time fall rolls around, I don't know why that's associated with that. It just is. Yeah, I, it, everybody has their own personal relationship to the music that's in their life, other than just, oh, it sounds good to me, and I like it. Yeah. And there are certain things... I know growing up in Philadelphia, um, I always sort of equate like the classic Philly sound, like the OJs and that type of thing, with summer because when you got out of school, you know, when I was a kid growing up, there, there used to be radio that played music. It wasn't just like right-wing crazy people talking about the black president. And uh, every summer you would just sort of like hang out, sit on the steps with the radio on, and it was all the Philly soul stuff, like the OJs, Lou Rawls, and all that stuff. So every summer, I, it's like I'm genetically pre-programmed back to Love Train <laughs> or, yeah. or Wake Up Everybody. And I just wind up every summer going through another, you know, kind of uh, let me revisit the rhythm and blues of my youth. Yeah, definitely. I'm talking with fairly legendary musician Skip Heller. He's my <laughs> guest on Independence Day this week. And I knew that would get a I knew that would get a chuckle out of you, man. Uh, you've been at this a pretty good while. Let's play a cut. You've got a, a, a pretty much a brand new record called San Fernando Valley Blues, 2008 to 2012. Or should, should you should you say 28 to 2012? I don't know. There was always a big discussion of how you should say the. Yeah, I don't know properly. what the the, collect, the the correct millennial pronunciation would be, but you know, I I made about four um uh about four albums in that time, and you know different places so uh, the stuff that we still play as part of the set got kind of anthologized onto this yeah it's a best of sort of from that period of what you were doing the work you were doing really none of it's very good but um (laughs) (laughs) yeah well best is relative skip best is relative it's it's these are the tunes that i i regarded as the least shameful (laughs) okay (laughs) the least offensive all right so skip heller once again my guest on independence day this week so very happy to have him and his quintet we will meet the rest of them in just a moment let's play a cut from this we have chosen the track i used to love california and even though i love california now i do love the song so skip heller here on independence day mornings i'd have one eye open watching her as she got dressed for work Barefoot on the hardwood floor Rushing around in just a bra and a skirt As the golden sun came pouring through the window Bouncing off the closet door I used to love California But now I'm not so sure We had a little place out in the valley 
things were always safe and warm So much so I didn't realize it was getting chilly in her arms After a while, though, no mistake, there was less affection in her touch I used to love California But lately not so much I used to love California When California was our happy home I used to love California Started waking up there all alone Without her I don't care much for the desert or the smell of orange trees I used to love California But I've since moved back east Probably I won't It's a little bit expensive But you can't beat the quality of life I used to love California Back when we were man and wife I used to love California Night times driving down the 101 I used to love California Kissing in the California sun It's as nice a place as any Really I don't mean to put it down I used to love California But that was then and this is now My name is Joe Armstrong. That's a great track by Skip Heller. It's from his most recent record, which just dropped very, very recently, San Fernando Valley Blues. You can pick that up where, Skip? Oh, you can just order it online at skiphellermusic.net. Skiphellermusic.net is the best place to find everything you know about Skip. And you're an active guy, man. You're out. You're playing quite a bit. You've got a regular night's... That you do at the Redwood is the first. What did we just wrote that down? The second, second Sunday, Sunday of every, of every month. Yeah. Of every month at the Redwood. Plus, you're playing every Monday night at Bob's Espresso in North Hollywood. And are these which incarnations? Because you've got different incarnations of the band. Today, we've got the quintet here. Yeah, we couldn't. I mean, the horns would blow the back wall off of this place. <laughs> yeah. So at the Redwood, at the Redwood is actually two shows the second Sunday of every month, and the oh, first right. show is called Fools on Stools. And what it is, it's just like a sort of songwriters round robin. Uh, but instead of just going with like, 
you know, most most of the songwriter circles tend to go for the uh, the more you know quote Americana and quote type songwriters. songwriter songwriter types. Right, but I I try to to spread it out a little bit because it, songs it's, it's a pretty flexible form. So I've had people like Bill Frenzer who wrote Dead Puppies, you know, one of the most popular songs on Doctor Demento. Had him come in and be part of it. And not only is he a really great, funny songwriter, he's an excellent chromatic harmonica player. Oh, yeah. So to have him up there, you know, playing with D minor from the Black Tongue Bells, who are like a very, uh, you know, Stones-ish, blues, rock yeah. kind of group, and having them really, they just played so beautifully together. I always want to see those sort of odd things happen. The cross-pollinization. We were right, kind of like whenever somebody says, oh, you know, if you're having me, you should have so-and-so. I usually say no because I don't want two of the same thing. Yeah, I want yeah. four people coming from four different approaches um, because that that's when the interesting thing happens. And very rarely does it fall on its face yeah. because good songwriters tend to be really resourceful in light of how they add to other people's music. Yeah. And that's been really, really rewarding. Uh, you know, we've had Annie Chelsea do it a couple of times just because I love sitting next to her so much, you know, I'll come clean. I just have an enormous crush on her. I think of her yeah. as like the Dr. Melfi of local songwriters. <laughs> um, she's a good writer. She's a terrific writer, and there's just one song after the next that's really good. And then you have somebody else who's like a really great songwriter, one song after the next that's really good. Like, you know, we were talking about Rod Melancon, who is nothing, like seemingly nothing in common. But you bring Rod on the bandstand, he kind of looks around, he just adds these little things that... You know, he's just a great musician in his own way, and he's very giving and very, you know. Yeah. So to have him on stage with the guy who wrote the music for Phineas and Ferb, which is a cartoon on Disney, uh, which he and Martin Olsen just hit it, like, right off. And you see yeah. the, the broadness of the songwriting community. A very long answer. Uh, We're here to talk, Skip. Keep going. <laughs> But the, the second set is my larger group called the Hollywood Blues Destroyers, which is an eight-piece group. It's pretty much everybody who's here today, except a different drummer than Mark Borenstein. Um, so Owen Jenkins is the other guitar player, Garrett Lofgren on bass, Ashley Kay, who is my personal Keeley Smith on other vocals, plus three horn players. And uh, the material, I don't think, is that much different. It's just an enlarged version yeah. because we have extended instrumentation. We do a few songs in that group that we can't do in this group because either the horns are more relevant or the fact that four people can sing. And to have like a gospel quartet's worth of vocalists is... Uh, yeah. That, that, that for me is just like a very wonderful train set. Oh, <laughs> I love it when we do our gospel vocals. It's so much fun to be a part of, especially with Cody doing the bass yeah. vocals yeah. on that. Oh. So let's, let's backpedal just a little tiny bit here because we kind of happened upon introducing three of the four other members of the quintet or that are here, you know, or four of the five, three of the five, because we still have to meet our drummer Yeah, I was going to say Mark Borenstein, who I did introduce, is the, of the people here in this room, the person with whom I have the longest history. Mark and I have been playing now for, uh, I think, six years, one way or another. One way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. Talking to them. Hi. Can you hear me this way? Yeah. Okay. 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 So let's let's just go around the room. Yeah. Now we've got the quintet here. This is the group that's going to be playing the music that gets played on tonight's show. So let's just go around the room. We we kind of introduce them kind of haphazardly. Let's say say your name. Say where you're from. What you play. Everybody, please jump in there. Uh, I'm Owen Jenkins. I uh, I play uh, rhythm guitar with Skip. Not in, just rhythm. You no, play. you give me some lead here and there. <laughs> but I think my main purpose is the uh, the rhythm. But uh, 
yeah, I've been playing with him for what? Well, about a couple years now. Yeah, but I but I started taking I started taking lessons with you before yeah. that, and then back when you were still doing the trio with Mark. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and it's kind of history from there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm Garrett Lofgren. I've been playing bass now with uh, Skip. It feels like is it two years? Uh, something like that. Something like that. As long as he doesn't say feels like forever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm way better now because of it, and a lot of it has to do uh, with uh, with like the the wide variety of music that we play. You know, I was yeah. always kind of pigeonholed. I always played like rock and roll and listened to yeah. like rap and things like that, and really getting opened up to these different styles of music and being able to really combine them. It's it's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I'm Ashley. I'm actually the newest member of Skip's little entourage <laughs> that he brings around. Um, I started out as a super fan because I'm you know, Garrett and I like to hang out together. So I was at they every date. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I was at every gig for the Blues Destroyers at the Redwood and everything. I didn't miss one. And then when they lost their other uh, singer Claire, who's fantastic, she went over to New York now. Yeah. And uh, I was like, hey, you need a singer. I know all your stuff. <laughs> Pretty please. And just kind of jumped in. And that was back, what, in August or so was my first gig with you guys? It's, it's, it's about, it, well, it's almost a year now. Has it really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So cool. <laughs> There's that. And that's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've met you, Skip. We heard Libra, all about you. We know my name is you, Skip. We know, you, we know <laughs> your sordid past, man. <laughs> Mark? Yeah, I've been playing with Skip, as we said, for some time. Skip... Uh, has an amazing depth of music. Uh, we go way back uh, with our jazz uh, playing, uh, and uh, we uh, talk about players. Uh, Skip, unlike so many other musicians, uh, don't know the drummers, and Skip and I talk about the Philly Joes and, <laughs> and the JoJo's, and uh, we go... We, uh, and the Ringo's. And the Ringo's. <laughs> we go on and on and on, and it's really just a pleasure to play with somebody who has that much knowledge about percussionists. Yeah, or music in general. I mean, people approach it from any um, any number of different ways. But playing with people who are educated musicians in terms of not just being able to play but know the history of music is, is an important thing, especially if you're doing such diverse styles that you guys are doing in this quintet and in the Blues Destroyers, other incarnations of this band. Because you can reference certain things like a certain solo or a certain sax tone on a certain, I don't know, Parker record from way back when and so yeah well, I'm going for the the drum feel behind that solo because then it's a, it's a it's it's more than just the common language of knowing the notes and the phrasing we're all standing on the shoulders of the shoulders of giants to a certain extent and having that knowledge allows you to communicate better with each other and therefore make even better music at least I think so well I kind of blame my mother for that my mother was a librarian so um, every time I got curious about anything I was like, well, let's go find a book about that. Maybe the library will have a record. And uh, the idea that the knowledge was right there and you could you could just walk up to it very easily yeah. was instilled in me very early on. And when when that's your approach to just finding out anything in life, whether it's about baseball or stamp collecting, and you're and you're a musician, yeah. Um, from a very early age, it you know I, I had a pretty diverse record collection even as a kid. Smart woman, your mother. Wonderful woman, my mother. You know, my dad too is just you know I was uh, I was never officially discouraged. You know, yeah. I, they they really let me have a lot of late nights out, and they knew I was in bars. You know, they knew I was in punk rock clubs with a fake ID. And uh, every now and then I'd get grounded for flagrant violation, but yeah. 
you know, which is that's the bargain. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> that's yeah. a funny thing for a parent because I, I really feel like you've got to give them a long lead to go out and, and live life and, ex- and kids, I mean, and experiment yeah. and live life and become who it is that they're going to be because they're not ever going to be who you want them to be exactly. They're going to be their own person. Look, right. as long you know, I think my parents came to the conclusion that as long as I wasn't incarcerated, uh, that things were basically just fine. Did Did you pull that off? Largely, largely. <laughs> yeah, for the Mostly. most part, he's still here with us today. Yeah, we have the Chris Rock thing. You know, your job as a parent is to keep your uh, son off the pipe and your daughter off, off the, the pole. pole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and with that, let's play some live music. You guys have got. I'm, I'm chomping at the bit to hear what you guys are going to do with us here today. What's this first track you've got queued up for? Well, it's a. Uh, We'll do one of the songs that's on the, the new compilation. Uh, this is called The Man I Used to Be. And uh, as we were talking about bringing different things into it, even though the song is more a uh, kind of late 60s country politan in a lot of ways, the chord changes are a little more, uh, you know, Philly International, Gamble yeah. and Huff. So you can hear a, kind of the hybrid of the, of the way we put these things together. All right, looking forward to it, man. So this is the Skip Heller Quintet here in Independence Day. Let's groove with this. Have you seen it lately? No, I guess it's been a long, long while I've been through some changes Made a few adjustments to my style I lost a little hair I gained a bit of weight I put the bottle down And I keep my business straight But as you can see I'm pretty much the man I used to be Have I seen her lately? No, but I'd be lying to say I've loved We move in different circles I don't even keep her number in my book She always had her friends She had a few of mine I guess I should be glad that at least we had our time Cause as you can see, she didn't want the man I used to be The man I used to be, the man I was before The man she left behind, he don't work here anymore Address your questions to me, stop looking for the man
Very, very nice. Skip Heller and his quintet here on Independence Day. You can learn everything you need to know about Skip Heller at skiphellermusic.net. That's two L's in Heller. Pretty should be obvious to people, but maybe not. You never like know. Hell, he, like hell, only more. Like hell, only more. Yeah, Heller, Hellerer, Hellerer. I like that. All right. So, and my name is Joe Armstrong. You can learn everything you need to know about Independence Day at www.indepday.com. That's I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y.com. Please follow us on Twitter at Day. The quintet sounds great, man. It's Thank so you. nice to have a band that can play quietly, <laughs> listen to one another in a room. You know, there's something to be said for volume, man. I love making racket with my old tube amp, but it's so nice to turn down the volume. You find things, it changes the whole dynamic of what's yeah. going on. And I don't just mean literally in terms of dynamics. All, literally. It changes the musical dynamic of it. Uh, everything is acoustic. Yeah. Like even with the Hollywood Blues Destroyers, it's two acoustic guitars, bass and drums. Uh and then three horns, like you know, we we amp when we have to, but yeah, I I really it, at some point I just kind of made a choice away from the electric guitar. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a whole. We were just discussing, you know, we were sitting out front. We had a little barbecue last night, and we're sitting out in front of my front yard talking about. It. My girlfriend never understands as a guitar player why I could ever possibly want twenty or thirty guitars. And I went over the whole thing. And it's not about avarice. It's not about just the amassing of stuff. And I was explaining to her that, and she, because she's a, uh, she's a musician. She plays like nine instruments, but none of them are electrified. They're all woodwinds and things like that. And I went over the whole thing like, well, okay, if, especially if I'm a full-time touring guy at the rock level, I got to have a Strat and a Spare, and a Tele and a Spare, and a Paul and a Spare, and a Rick and a Spare. And, you know, this is, of course, you know, money being no object here, not, you know, touring in a van. But, uh, you know, and I, I've made that case to her numerous times, and I still don't think she gets it. I, I don't get it. I mean, the, when, I was, when I was out touring with NRBQ, I had two Telecasters. Yeah. And that was just, you know, like, because I knew I would break strings. Yeah. You know. Uh, but when I was, like, out touring with my jazz trio, a, a company in Berkeley called Subway Guitars made sort of a Skip Heller model. And uh, basically, it, it was the right size to fit in a in an airline overhead if right. I needed it to be. So it was just like, just bring one guitar, you know, and I still only have one guitar. Yeah. You know, I just, I've, I've always wanted to have just sort of like a one-to-one, I don't know if you want to call it a relationship with the instrument, but I want it to be the same every time I pick it up. I just want something I can play and rely on. I, I'm not, I, I'm not gear savvy. Yeah. <laughs> When you show up at a gig, I mean, if you've got regular gigs, they know what to expect in terms of sound mm-hmm. reinforcement there. If you show up at a new gig with all acoustic instruments, do you ever run into issues with sound guys or girls not knowing how to approach a band that's all acoustic? Or are they savvy enough to get it these days? Actually, kind of just the opposite. They welcome it because, uh, especially with the, with the Hollywood Blues Destroyers, we all have... Uh, one of the smartest things any working musician can do, and I don't care where you're playing, the size of the venue, is take possession of your sound. And this is something that, you know, Owen, when he was one of my students, he would ask me about amps and stuff like that. And I was like, find something that's going to sound pretty much the same every room you bring it into. Take possession of your sound. And when a sound man sees that the band is taking care of their onstage volume and you yeah. know, how they're going to set up, where they're going to set up, and what it's going to be like, they kind of look at you and go, let me just get a couple of microphones up in front of that. And, you know, the, the only place that just has unerringly bad sound is the echo <laughs> the, ap- the aptly named yeah. echo yeah yeah, named. yeah I, that that's the only place and um and you just 
I don't mean to be like uh, resigned to it, but I just know that's the show where we're never. That's the the venue where we're never going to give our best performance. Yeah, well, both the upstairs and the downstairs rooms, the Echo and the Echoplex, are very oddly shaped rooms. And I'm not sure which one. I mean, each one is worse than the next. I mean, if you're in the upstairs room, you've got that high ceiling with the yeah. really bright reflecting surfaces on either side, which creates this weird thing above your head because the wings are then lower by the bar on one side and the seating area on the other. But then if you go in the Echoplex, it's, it's, like, it's almost like the Troubadour up front. It's a wide stage in a shallow room yeah. until you get below behind that weird lower drop ceiling thing. And then you can go back another 60 feet, and it's terrible back there. It's no, like a nightmare. No, walk on that stage with like almost no preparation because you don't walk on that stage with very little preparation because you're either playing the uh the elvis show or whatever where it's like a multi-act thing with a horn section and god help you if more than two people in your group sing yeah (laughs) yeah that was fun with four of us wasn't it Define fun, Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just remember looking at Edie Murphy uh, <laughs> yeah. sang with us uh, that night because we had four girls singing at the Elvis show. Because uh, Elvis had four. Damn it, I'm going to have four. Yeah. He's the king. I base my life on his teachings. And <laughs> Ashley is very tall. You can't see her uh, standing up. But in addition to being very lovely, she's very tall. And we had a, another singer with us named Lizzie McKenzie, who was 6'2 and wearing heels. Yep. I was wearing heels, too, so it kind of worked out. And then Edie Murphy is just... What is she, 5'3", maybe? About 5'5", <laughs> five, five, and playing the fiddle. So, you know, okay. she has her mic held up, and she's looking up at a microphone and, like, the, the invasion of the Amazon women <laughs> and can't hear herself. And she's got to do two things that require she hear herself. Fiddle... And she sing. pulled it off, though. Edie is always great, though. She's awesome. You know, you know. Yeah. It's funny how much we lean on technology or don't lean on technology because I try, you know, t- I love technology. And my, my phrase I've been using for years is technology is great when it works. But we have more complicated problems now because of the technology that we use. Whereas I like to keep things as simple as, as possible. Well, that's, and that's another reason for the way we rehearse and the way we set up on stage is we know half the time you're not going to get monitors. Right. You know. So we rehearse like we're going to play uh, because it's not just the technology. It's the guy sitting behind the board. And, you know, like the way Mark or plays girl, drums, Skip, for instance. Or girl, Or girl. <laughs> the guy or the girl um, behind the board, how much reefer they've smoked, how <laughs> deaf they are from mixing the hip-hop heavy metal act the night before. <laughs> there are so many variables that how go How jaded they are from right. the fact that they themselves are not musicians and would rather be doing that. That's the one big thing I find with sound people. Actually, I've been relatively lucky in that respect. It's just if you, if you walk in and the first thing you do is, as you're setting up and the sound guy introduces himself or herself, if your first question to them is, what are you drinking? Um they tend to go like, oh, this band isn't going to fight me and pull ego crap. They're they're here to work with me. Right. And that just sounds a lot of problems out right yeah. there. I used to bring, uh, when I had a relatively big band, there was a point at which my band was like 12 pieces with chicks and two guitars, bass, drums, keys, chick singers, whatever. And I, would, I make beer as a hobby, and I've been doing it for a pretty good mm-hmm. while. I would bring some of my beer and say, hey, as an offering to you. Yeah. Thanks for doing this tonight. Thanks for being here, you know? And it was a nice way to plant a seed, establish a little bit of a relationship, because we all want the same thing. We all want this to be a fun night. We all want it to sound good. 
So and that was usually and it was usually a nice way to break the ice because it wasn't just a Miller Lite, which I'm sure they get from the bar for free anyway. It was something unique. And not everybody drinks, and not everybody's a craft beer drinker. And sometimes they would refuse, and that was fine. You know, demure. It's the gesture. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's the gesture. We're lucky too because at the Redwood, we've had the same sound man forever, and he's Arlo. Arlo's fantastic. <laughs> you know, who, and Arlo is fantastic, and he's really nice, and he likes the kind of music we play, and he's an older guy. And you know, I'm I'm 49 years old. I mean, I'm aside from Mark, I'm the oldest person in the group, kind of by far. Garrett's the next person to me in age and what are you 35 i've 35, seen some things yeah. man vietnam was tough <laughs> whatever <laughs> i mean the, um, on tv what are you guys talking about i'm 35 you guys do math what's, what's happening he saw full metal jacket man yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it seemed it seemed terrible what with willem dafoe and all yeah <laughs> that's actually that was that a was, different that was movie platoon, wasn't that's it? platoon that was platoon yeah i was gonna Close. say but, but have you ever seen a movie with willem dafoe where it ends well i don't care whether you're talking about autofocus full metal jacket it's just it ain't gonna end. If you see Willem Dafoe, you know, it's, <laughs> it's gonna be lights out in a very ugly way. Yeah, yeah. But he off a great lady in Boondock Saints, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. But the, the point I was gonna make is that when you're dealing with guys who are your age and know music, if not specifically the way you do, but have a similar realm of experience, they're gonna know what it's supposed to sound like. And most of the guys are pretty professional. So they're going to take pride in making it sound right, especially if you have a guy like Arlo who does take pride in his work and is just agreeable. You know? sure. yeah. He's such a sweetheart. You know? He also knows the room. He knows his equipment. Yeah. He's familiar yeah. with us. You yeah. know? And so it's, it's, it's like having an additional member of the band because they're, they're focusing on that overall sound. It's like too. a little George Martin out there. You know what I mean? <laughs> doing the, doing, the, yeah, no, doing the God's work for everybody. <laughs> right? there, there, there are a couple of people who are like you know, the ninth members of the group. You know, Ron Resnick, who uh, has done all of the YouTube videos and our yeah, album blurry covers. Lens. Yeah, Blurry Lens Photography. He's sort of like the other ninth member. You know, he's like the Murray the K of our... Uh, right, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how old I am. I can make that joke, and only Mark knows what I'm talking about. But, you know, the, these people are sort of, you know, Michelle Blake, who does the web design, Ron, who does the, the photography and the videography, and Arlo, who is sort of like the house sound guy. It's like, thank heaven for them, because, you know, as good as your band sounds on stage, if it sounds like crap out in the room... Right. It doesn't matter how good your songs are. People are going to have an unpleasant time. Yeah. Well, you're providing a good product. There's the whole garbage in, garbage out idea, where if you're giving them something good from the stage, then they can just, you know, it's basically making it louder. Right. Or you're not adding uh, a lot of stuff. You know, you're giving them a quality product right off the gate. So yeah. it's like all they have to do then is not screw it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, don't, we try not to give them anything to fix. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. And you listen to each other, which is nice. And in, in light of that, how about some more listening to each other with some live music? What else? What's the next tune you got okay, for well, us let's, here? You know, it's, since, it's, since it's not just on the new CD, but it's also coming out fairly shortly as a 78 RPM record, right. actually. Let's do I Hate You. And Skip, explain to the kids at home who are too young to know what a 78 is. I know what a 78 is. Explain to them what a 78 is. Um, back before you had CDs or LPs or even 45 RPM records, there was a, a format that was 78 revolutions per minute, 10 inches uh, around. Uh, and that was, that was what records were. Right, for a long time. Yeah, and uh, you put a bunch of them in something that looked like a photo album. Those were the first albums. Yeah. But it's that, you know, now that they're making record players that have the 78 speed on them again, we said, you know, the kind of people that like this music 
tend to collect 78s. I would be uh, emblematic of this. I have 3,000 of them. So Lee Joseph uh, at Dionysus Records, who was the bass player in the group for a while, said, well, if you want to make a 78 of this stuff, I'll do it. So uh, coming, in, coming in about six weeks, uh, summer 2014, I hate you on 78. Is this your first 78? This is my first 78, what but it's not my moment. first vinyl. What oh, a, what a proud moment. It's it's big for me cuz Yeah, know. yeah, that's a labor of love. I mean, I'm a I'm not a vinyl addict, but I'm definitely a vinyl guy, and I've figured out now that CDs are going the way of the dodo, and I like physical media. I like like for me they're the original multimedia package. You've got artwork, you've got liner notes, yeah. you've got stuff. I've always been a liner note junkie. That's how I learned about the music business. Me too. I would open up my albums and say, "Okay, they recorded that at Ocean Way. What's that?" And there's no internet to go look up and see what Ocean Way was back That's then. That's what people right. don't understand now is back before there was such a thing as, you know, like if there was a record you wanted that you couldn't get in your hometown, you'd have to write away to like the Schwann catalog or County Records or one of those places. And wait six weeks for your copy of, uh, I don't know, like the best of Louis Jordan. Not an obscure guy. This guy had more hits than like anybody in the 40s. But trying to find a Louis Jordan record, um, that was a, it was kind of a project. You'd read about it, you'd look for it, and then eventually you'd wind up mail ordering it. Yeah, things have changed, man. Things have changed. I've got the, uh, I've got the Rhapsody on my phone. Right, which yeah. is everything, everywhere, anywhere. I have a cell phone, a cell phone service, which is still kind of blowing. I've just got this recently. It's kind of blowing my mind a little bit, uh, and it's and it's in some ways it's annoying because it doesn't. We've removed that ability to want, just to want, and to long to have something like waiting six weeks for a record. Like imagine how excited you would be waiting. You probably remember this, waiting for that record to show up. Like oh my god, it's Christmas. It's coming. It's coming next month. It's coming right. next week. It's coming two weeks. It's coming tomorrow. Where is my record? You know, things have changed. It's all right there now. Anyway, you're keeping it real, man. I hate to use that phrase. It sounds like a, it sounds like a dopey phrase, but you really are, Skip. You're, you're you're keeping music real and alive and doing it the real way. It's been it was done in ages ago, and I'm glad you're doing it now. I'm old. You said that, not me. All right, so let's hear this. Skip Heller Quintet on Independence Day with the track "I Hate You." One, two, one, two, three. I hate the stars we wished upon, and I hate the moon now that you're gone. Our old apartment with a view. I hate it all, then I hate you. I hate that I got left behind. Can't stand that you're still on my mind. I hate the days I sleepwalk through. Almost as much as I hate you. And now I have to put behind me that which might remind me of all the little things we used to do. Now there's no lips to kiss goodnight No arms to hold me tight Oh, I hate myself, but mostly I hate you Bring it in, boy, bring it in
of all the little things we used to do. Now there's no lips to kiss goodnight, no arms to hold me tight. Oh, I hate myself, but mostly I hate you. I hate the single life I live. And I hate the way I can't forgive This heart of mine that loves you true And incidentally I hate you I hate this bar and I hate you I hate the world and I hate The Skip Heller Quintet, so very, very happy to have them. That is a song which will be released in not too terribly distant future on a 78, which is a proud moment for Skip, and I think a really great music, a great <laughs> moment for music in general. The fact, you know, it's, talking to you about this, I didn't even know you could still make 78s. Yeah, I didn't know yeah, it was there, possible. There are a few labels that still do them. You know, and you're putting this out on Dionysus, Dionysus. Records. And this will and be distributed. People, this will be in stores. Yeah. People can pick it up in stores. Of course, you'll be selling it. At sh- it's a little cumbersome to sell at shows. No, because you? it's a vinyl 78. It's not shellac. So it's not a... Okay. When you drop it, it breaks. Yeah, that was and that was a thing. People don't remember. The actual uh, 78s were made out of a different material. Clay and shellac. Yeah. yeah. And they were very brittle. You know, there's, a, there's a moment in It's a Wonderful Life when uh, George Bailey comes over to Mary Hatch's house. And she puts on, you know, she, he's, they haven't seen each other in a yeah. while since that first night at the high school. And she puts on Buffalo Girls on a 78. Yeah. And they go in and they have that thing and he, they get in the fight and he leaves and comes back in. Forgot my hat. And he comes in and <laughs> right before that she gets mad when he storms off. And she takes the record and smashes it. And people who are paying attention will notice that the record shatters, yeah. which is what you cannot do with a vinyl record unless maybe you're in Minneapolis and it happens to be frozen. Yeah, I was going to say, if you keep it in the <laughs> Or Chicago on any given morning in January. But it's, it's, a, different, it's a different technology. So yeah. happy to see it's back. So happy to see it. It's, so they're more durable. Yeah, you, you just do them on vinyl, which is what RCA and Dot and a number of level, okay. uh, labels rather did in the 50s for their DJ copies. So you will have that at, sh- at shows? Yeah. Okay, and you can pick it up at skiphellermusic.net as yeah. well. All right, man, so happy to see that you guys are doing this. Happy to see that you're playing this kind of music. Happy that you're making a 78. And is this your first vinyl overall? No, it's no, my okay. second. Last second. year we did the, uh, I did a record of music by uh, a country singer from the 40s named Floyd Tillman. All right. And I- somebody said... Look, if you want to put this out on vinyl, you really should, and I'll pay for the pressing if you want to do it on vinyl. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why, here's a funny question. Why are you not teaching? I mean, you're teaching lessons, but it seems like you should be teaching like a musicology class of some and, kind. It, it, I get brought into to different, you know, different places bring me in for that. Yeah. Uh, th- we had the experience recently at different group than this but I, I got to put together a sort of 20 style hot jazz group to play for a bunch of fifth graders at a title one school in pomona and title one for those of you who don't have an education background means below the poverty line and it was just you know basically we just hung a map of the united states and said okay there's this guy lewis armstrong he starts here and he goes here and we just followed him up the river and then to chicago and new york and made that the explanation of uh, you know a very small explanation but one a bunch of fifth graders could follow as to the development of jazz. And that was really fun, but also I've taught at colleges and things like that. Okay, so you have done some teaching then. Yeah. It seems like such a logical profession for you, to because to, to, you're like an encyclopedia of knowledge about the history of music, and, it's, and you do share it. Hmm, and you share you. it performing all the time, and you share it. We've had conversations about this hmm. before. But it seems like this is a gift. It's something that needs to be shared on a wider level, because you're like an ambassador 
for the history of great music. Well, that's music. how I always feel is when you go to some place where the music isn't already, you become, for lack of better words, the ambassador of those things. And I have friends that have been that in a very real way. My friend Ray Campy, the rockabilly singer and bass player. In the 70s, when rockabilly was basically dead, you know, and people were going like, oh, yeah, rockabilly, it's these old records. He, came, he became the ambassador for, like, the new life of the music. Yeah. And people that never even thought about it before wound up becoming almost religious converts. Yeah, like the, you know, he's kind of a poster, but, but like the pre-Brian Setzer era. Well, you know? he, he definitely, like, sodded the field so Brian yeah. Setzer could come and... And, you know, Setzer became sort of like the first real rockabilly guitar hero pretty much ever. Yeah, there there wasn't one before that, you know. And I mean, as great as Cliff Gallup was, nobody could point to a picture of Cliff Gallup and go, "Him, the guy on the Gene Vincent records." Yeah, you know. But Setzer being out in front, he became to rockabilly pretty much what Stevie Ray Vaughan became to yeah. blues, and such a solid player too. I mean, I've seen video lessons with the guy. The guy knows chord Look, solos. The I guy saw knows him in 1982, the first time the Stray Cats toured the U.S. He, you know, they, their manager was from Philadelphia. And they played at a place called the Eastside Club. And you just saw this three-piece band that could take on any three-piece band in any style. And it wasn't just him. I mean, he was definitely the focal point. But Lee Rocker's father uh, is a basically the principal clarinetist Stanley Drucker for the New York Phil under Leonard Bernstein. How disciplined do you think he grew up about music? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. everybody in that band was ready for the job. But I, I say, if Ray Campy and Rockin' Ronnie Weiser hadn't gotten there first and sort of said, no, here is a modern rockabilly band, new guys, young guys, and that's really what the ambassadors do. It's like, yeah. you know, the Johnny Appleseed guys. It's very cool, man. And you're, you're doing this yourself in your own way, bringing Thank your you. music, bringing the things that you do. And what I, another thing that I love about what you do, uh, it's not just all standards. You know, there's. I'm sure you've got standards in your in your repertoire. Or well, how big is the repertoire for the band like right now? Like it's ballpark. not as it's it's. I I don't know. It's not as big as you think. Just because with so many instruments in it, um, you know, it, it's a lot of writing for me to do. And heaven knows, you know, I I do like to actually have a life and do other stuff and work on other people's music. And like this year, there's been a couple of things for cartoons and so forth. So. I don't. I, I can't just do the Hollywood Blues Destroyers for a living because you know, with eight people in the band, yeah. At, at the end of the average gig, we each walk out with our four dollars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here's your buck sixty-six, which I always joke is the as much as I made for my first gig. I made a dollar sixty-six. I made three. My cut of the ten-dollar profit yeah. we made after paying one hundred fifty dollars to rent the giant PA system. I made three. It was the night after John Lennon was killed, but it, it you know, I saw the future in it, and now I often make twice that. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but in the in the Hollywood blues destroyers we do have some standards we do, and in the quintet we do a sort of an old twenties jazz song called uh, "Sweet Sue, Just You," which I learned really from the Bing Crosby record. Yeah. So you know we have that stuff in there, and then there's just a lot of stuff that we like, so we do like Mendocino by the Sir Douglas Quintet and Ruby Baby by Dion because I really I love Dion. Yeah. Just you know, have love will travel by Richard Berry, and it's not something I really think about. It's more like. We need a ABC kind of tune, you know, to, to make the set go, oh, well, there's already one like that. Yeah. And then sometimes you go, you know what? If we record this, I'm not going to, you know, it's not, it's going to be one more cover on the record. 
and it is my arrangement, I think I'll go back and write something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because you can write something that's informed by that. Because, yeah. you know, that's what the Beatles did. That's what everybody did. They look, everyone looked back at the music they were, and at least that's where they start, it seems like. Where well, the music I hate you if you look them. very closely. Steals a bit from uh, the night before. But I have to admit this. I stole the bridge outright from What's It To You by Big Sandy. <laughs> Which he caught me doing uh, and brought it up to me. And yeah. Was, I'll give, I'll, I'll attribute. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk personnel just a little bit here before we get to the next tune. Sure. When you're looking for musicians, you know, be it in this quintet or in one of the other uh, lineups that you have, what are you looking for in a musician, either in general or specifically for a specific part? Well, um, in the case of Mark, and I'll just, Mark Borenstein, the drummer, and I'll just use him because I've known him the longest. We already knew each other and liked each other, and uh, I needed a drummer to replace Dale Daniel. So I said, would you want to? And he goes, well, yeah, let's try it. And I was already, you know, he, he played like the guy he is. So I was like, okay, yeah. great. Uh, with Garrett, he came recommended by, um, we had to replace Lee Joseph, who was playing bass with us a lot. And he came recommended by the drummer. And when a drummer has a bass player they want to play with, you listen, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So, and he was already friends with the, you know, the uh, one of the horn players. So, like, right there, there's three guys who are already in the shoot together. That was easy. Owen was a student of mine, and I knew I didn't want to be playing all the guitar solos. Because if I was singing and writing the horn arrangements already, I just yeah. knew it would be me, me, me if I didn't bring in somebody else to do something. When Owen first came to me, he was already, a, a, as a student, he was already a good guitar player. But as time went on, he became a very deep and developed and disciplined musician who knew how to sort of field strip the music. And he was slightly afraid of me. And I thought, what a perfect person to have in your group. <laughs> and then with Ashley, when we had to replace Claire... Costa, who had been the, yeah. my, the Keeley Smith figure in the group. Um, she already knew the music, and everybody already liked her, so it was like, if she works out even sort of okay, we're three steps ahead, but she worked out very well very quickly and was, frankly, the most disciplined person mm -hmm. uh, to have come into the group as a new member. Aww. And then when we added, uh, there's a, uh, we added a saxophone player recently, so we have a full three-horn section. He knew everybody. He was friends with everybody. He was a good player, and he could read. So it, it, all the... All, everybody can't... It wasn't like I took an ad on Craigslist and auditioned yeah. people. It's like people I knew. Um, you know, Lee Toft, who plays trumpet in the Hollywood Blues Destroyers, he and I had played together as early as 1999, and uh, I brought him in on something, and he and Cody were like, do you think you could write something where we'd play together? Okay, I guess I have a horn section now because it's yeah. just a little costly and yeah, time-consuming yeah. to do it for one song. And uh, you know, I I know how to write for for a, a, a larger ensemble. Arranging, so. we call that. We call that in, in music school, at least. Yeah. Well, I didn't go to music school. I learned how to do it in the library. <laughs> yeah, it's a different kind of school. Tell Ray Bradbury, you know, it's how he learned to, to do those kinds of things. He would just go rent a typewriter because that's what you had to yeah, do back at the in the LA day, library. At the LA library and sit in the basement, and that's how he pecked out Fahrenheit 451. I had yeah. a book called The Professional Arranger Composer by uh, uh, an arranger named Russ Garcia, who did a couple of Julie London albums and a Louis Armstrong record, and it laid things out beautifully. Then I found a book called Sounds and Scores by Henry Mancini, where he used his own music as like examples, and I knew that music, so it was easy. 
And then uh, basically I went and would hang out with Les Baxter, just live in his house for weeks at a time and study his scores and say, why did that work? How did you do that? And then a guy yeah. named Robert Drasnan, who had been the president of music at CBS, took me under his wing. And by the time those guys were done with yeah. me, you know, I could I could figure out the mechanics a little more easily. Yeah. What's your percentage of, because this is always an interesting answer from everybody, is what's your percentage of like jerk quotient that you're willing to accept in a musician? Like some people have a blanket, uh, you know, they won't accept anyone if they're a jerk. Like if they're an, an amazing player, will you accept someone like, is it like 70-30? Like musicianship versus jerkitude? Or is it like they have to be 90% uh, good human being that I'll deal with a little bit of attitude. Everybody like, has a bad day here or there, but I mean, I'm lucky. You see the the people I'm surrounded by, and there's no jerkitude in the mix. And even with the larger group, everybody likes each other. Yeah. So if somebody walks into the gig having a bad day, by the time they put on their necktie, they're going, "Oh, I'm around like seven of my friends. This is cool." And you know. Yeah. So I, I haven't had too much jerkitude to put up with. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a bad guy to ask. I'm probably the guy that throws the most of it out at the people. Yeah. Well, I your work name's with. on the marquee, man. That's kind of the <laughs> thing, you know. And but I'm more thankful than you could possibly know that yeah. I've been able to attract a really very talented and imaginative and. Uh, understanding bunch of people to play the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We heart skipper is basically <laughs> what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah. How about one more tune? Let's hear some of this love. Let's hear let's hear the love fest and then music here. What's next, guys? Uh what was the what we do next? We did Falling Out of Love. Actually. That's, that's what's coming up next, right? Yeah, Falling which is the newest of our songs. And uh I I actually I wrote it after listening to um a record by Trio Los Panchos because I listened to a lot of uh Mexican trio music because I love the guitar oh, players nice. on it. All right, this is Skip Heller and his quintet on Independence Day. One, two, D, two, three. <laughs> Dishes in the sink And there's laundry piled up I've never been the time To procrastinate this much So I've written out a list Of the things I need to do And there at number one Falling out of love with you The ashtrays over full With your lipstick cigarettes I meant to clean it up But somehow I just forget Now I've got a plan Bet your life I'll see you through First order of the day Is falling out of love with you There it is Atop my list of chores
Pretty soon it won't hurt anymore I'll be a better man Or at least a man less blue So to start my day Falling out of love with you of chores Pretty soon it won't hurt anymore I'll be a better man or at least a man less blue And so to start my day falling out of love with So to start my day, falling out of love with you. My name is Joe Armstrong. You are listening to Independence Day. I would love it if you checked out the Independence Day website at www.indepday.com, I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y. There's all kinds of musicians there, musicians from Los Angeles, musicians from New York, musicians from around the country and around the world. And with very few exceptions, they're all good human beings, and all of them make great <laughs> music. And I say that uh, maybe jokingly for the most part. So lots of really, really great music there, and all of it is downloadable uh, with few exceptions, and all of it is streamable. You can check it out there. So indepday.com. Please follow us on Twitter at indepday, where you can learn about the bands that we've got on the show, where they've played, when they're playing, what's coming up, album releases, things like that. Tonight's guest, Skip Heller and his quintet. So very happy to have them here as well. You can learn about them at skiphellermusic.net. Another great tune. Man. Thank you. Good to have you guys here. Let's flip it around just a little bit. We're almost out of time. We've heard what Skip likes about the members of his band. Let's hear what the members of the <laughs> band think about Skip. <laughs> you know, maybe more specifically, not just about you know character assassinations and things like that, or whether bring me the flowers while yeah. I'm living, kids. And, you know, and not not so much like you know how often he doesn't take out his cat litter. Now we're not looking for that kind of stuff. But like, what do you learn from this guy? Like, why are you playing Everything. with him? Why are you playing with him? So every, anybody jump in here. That dog is pretty loud. <laughs> yeah, it's our, she's a snorer. It's one of our mascots come on knock Maggie. it off you <laughs> well, uh, well i'm garrett i'm the bass player and uh one, one of the first things i noticed was just you know the diversity of it and uh what's cool i think we kind of touched on it earlier is you know when we're learning a new song concept because we all kind of have a, a pretty reasonable you know uh a music knowledge skip can call out like name a song and that's kind of like the theme it's like no in uh think my boy lollipop and then suddenly that can cue someone to be, ah, gotcha. And then we're able to kind of jump in that way. So I think it's, uh, it's our, our ability to communicate well with each other. Everybody we play with is really has a grasp of their instrument. And, uh, and we all kind of feed off of each other's success yeah. and, and, and feed off of that kind of great vibe that comes from it. So yeah, yeah it's a pleasure for sure. Hey, and then Owen, like you have a very unique situation because you were the Padawan, you were the yeah, you were the well. teacher, <laughs> and now you have ascended to the role of player in his band. Like that doesn't happen a ton. Well, well I feel like I lucked into it. He thinks he's just being nice, but uh, 
I don't know. It, it's it's a real privilege I, I regard as. I mean, not only to play with Skip, but play with all the rest of the guys. They're absolutely yeah. amazing players and. and girl. It, well, you know, you're included <laughs> oh, in that. You know, it's a loose <laughs> use the term guys loosely. The Midwestern you guys, yeah, as, exactly. As you all, but uh, I mean, the thing the thing I really liked about Skip, I mean, mainly when taking lessons with him, was he'd kind of point me to things I'd never really get to myself that I may uh, I may be kind of leaning towards, but I'd never have the uh, like never know where to really go. Like I remember uh, coming to a lesson and saying, "Hey, can you saying can you teach me uh, that song that's in Tom and Jerry? You know, the where he's pl- where Tom's playing the bass." With his feet. Is yeah, you, with his is feet. Is you ain't my baby. Yeah, and I was like, yes. and then and then uh, he kind of like, oh yeah, I'll show you. it's Louis Jordan. And I was like, oh, who's Louis Jordan? And then he made me a CD, and the rest is history. You know, it's yeah. Like, and then it kind of led me onto a whole tin of cool jazz stuff, and uh-huh. I don't know. There's just a, the stuff I've learned from him is, you know, I can't even put a price on it. And so. how did you find him as a teacher? Was it just happenstance that he was like the teacher at the local shop, or was he I recommended was, by someone? I was playing with Phil Alvin. Uh, Monday nights at the Redwood, and Ron Resnick um, and uh, and Owen's mother are a couple, and they would. Uh, Ron was a big fan of Phil's, and uh, you know, well, they brought me to see him, and then you were in the mix, and then I think we just started talking about ACDC. Yeah, and the rest is kind of history. Yeah, so, you know, because we just started talking about different guitar music we liked, and of course, you know, we're in this you know, like sort of blasters American music, you know, roots rock, and here we are talking about Malcolm and Angus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Angus. I thought it was really cool that here was a guy that was open to all of it. Get well, Malcolm, by the way. Yeah. Get well, Malcolm. No, it's yeah. just a really, no you know, bum me out, because you know, I have a brother, and uh, you know, just the idea of like, if anything happened to my brother, yeah, I would be horrified but on top of it my brother who i've made a a life and a profession with you know that would be devastating yeah and he's so you know angus gets all the spotlight in acdc like he gets he's the guy with the bloomers who runs around and goes crazy but (laughs) angus angus is the engine of that ensemble he's the one that makes all that stuff malcolm was the one that that figured out what the group was malcolm was the one who figured out what the group was supposed to be like yeah and uh well, I mean, like, you know, there, there's a group that just made more good records for a longer time yeah. than most stadium rock bands do. Elegant simplicity is what I like to think yeah. of. I mean, you know, it's uh, they don't, not a lot of makeup, you know, which was kind of a line for me. Like, for me, David Bowie's allowed to wear makeup, but other dudes, I don't want to see him wearing makeup. Just, me. <laughs> just Bowie. So just Bowie. Right just Bowie. It's the buck the Bowie rule. Uh, Mark, how about you? Like, you know, you've been playing with him a pretty good while. Like, what do you learn from Skip? Yeah, I think it's, it's similar. Uh, knowledge of music and he's able to relate you know he's able to relate if if he has a particular sound that he wants somebody that uh, i'm familiar with um i can't tell you how many times uh skip has given me uh, records with uh some of my idols playing brushes Uh, i think most drummers now brushes are a lost art and i've gained that back again um, and it, 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 it's a wonderful way to express yourself, and I yeah. really have to thank Skip for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You guys make great music together, and of course, last but certainly not least, mm-hmm. Ashley. Oh, well, I mean, my favorite thing when I'm sitting with Skip, and I mean, I'm taking guitar lessons now from him as well as playing with him, and every time 
we have a conversation or I ask him a question about anything, I just prepare my brain. I open it up and just try and let everything absorb because you're ultimately going to get like a huge 10 minute history of this one simple question that you tried to ask. It will be a thorough answer. And it's beautiful. And I'm like, okay, I must get all of this because I'm trying so hard to get it forward. And and you're so good. And yeah, it's, it's just. When I, when I was younger, there's a musician in Philadelphia named Uri Kane, who's now quite a big player in the international Philly jazz circle. It's like, and, or the international, you know, jazz board, so to speak. And I'd be like, Ori, what's the deal with this guy, Glenn Gould? Glad you ask. I have some books here in this pocket and some <laughs> sketches, you know. <laughs> and, he, and he would take me to eat and pay for the meal, and it would be like this one-hour seminar on Glenn Gould, the Bach recordings. And he'd be like, come back tomorrow night. We'll discuss his Beethoven and the cadenza he wrote for the... I was like, there know. will be a quiz. Yeah, and it's just the thing of, like, now that I'm the older guy in the group, Yeah, you know, I, I really... I'm... I have a lot more more people in the group come to me with questions, and apparently I don't know when to shut up. <laughs> it's all good, bro. <laughs> yeah. We love it. <laughs> now, Skip, are you full time music? Do you at this point? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I find I had a part time job for a while, um, and I, in fact, I was working with Garrett. Garrett had the power to fire me. <laughs> Never wanted to do that though. That'd have been yeah. terrible. Um, but yeah, at this time, it's pretty much just full-time music and music journalism. That's a, be- yeah. that's a beautiful thing. I love it. We'll see, we'll see, how, we'll see how beautiful it stays. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're, they're, again, beauty is also relative. Beauty <laughs> is also relative. How about we got about enough time for one more tune. Let's get this one in under the wire. What's this last tune going to well, be, guys? I guess we'll do No One Else Will Do, um, okay. which I, I actually wrote uh, a few years back when the, when the fires were happening in the San Gabriel Valley. And... Uh, I was sitting on the roof playing the guitar, and uh, that was the start of the song, and I made it about this really awesome woman I knew who was married to a really terrible guy. (laughs) All right, I was like peeling back the curtain hearing what these things are about. All right, Skip Heller Quintet, one last tune, No One Else Will Do here on Independence Day. It's a town of memories I might have more than most I'm in an apartment Down the block from all my goals You've been around forever But you've never been with me And now I'm showing up in places Where I hope you'll be I'm on the roof with my guitar To serenade the evening stars With all the pretty girls I could be singing to Not that I ain't love, but no one else will do With all the pretty girls I could be singing to Not that I ain't love, but no one else will do Now, what is it I'm saying that you don't hear at home? What is it about him that's got you feeling so alone if I was him? I'd give up drinking, tough it out, sober up Cause you're so sweet if I'd not met you I'd have dreamt you up The sky is hot and cooling down I'm looking towards your side of town Staring at your picture as the night turns blue Don't know what it is, but no one else will 
staring at your picture as the night turns blue. Don't know what it is, but no one else will do. Tell it to me simple, now say it to me plain. What goes through your mind when someone speaks my name? A map, sweet distraction, all the smile when things get dark. Or am I just a secret tucked within your heart? It feels like midnight, but it's not. The sky's dark, but it's still hot. It ain't like I'm saying, I'll wait for you. But honey, I got time, and no one else will do. It ain't like I'm saying, I'll wait for you. But honey, I got time and no one else will. Very, very nice to skip Heller Quintet. You can hear them second Sunday of every month at the Redwood in downtown Los Angeles. I've played a show on Sunday at the Redwood. And it's fun. It's nice. It's in the afternoon, which is perfectly civilized. Yeah. Uh, also, every Monday night at Bob's Espresso in North Hollywood. Like those regular things, they keep you sharp and you don't have to rehearse. It's nice. <laughs> yeah, we actually, still though, we still rehearse. And the, the whole point of doing like the Bob's gig is so we can always have an excuse to be working on new material. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's you, do you rehearse like once a week? About like that, yeah, especially lately when it's, more, when it's more busy. Yeah. Uh, that's a good time to add music to the group yeah. because you rehearse it once and then by the third gig. Every band approaches that differently. I had the Far West in here recently and I love them. But they're, they're gigging a lot. But they generally use those as rehearsals. If they're going to add a new tune, they don't have any rehearsal schedule. But if they're going to add a new tune, they'll do a rehearsal. Or if they've got a specially big gig or a video or a recording, they'll do some rehearsing. But I, and I said this to them. like I used to like to have rehearsals and was willing to even pay to do them as I just like playing. And even if I was gigging every night, I would probably want to be playing on my off night, too, because I just like to play. Well, again, I mean, it's like eight people who are friends with each other yeah. or five people who are already friends. With, like, even when Mark and I went through a period where we weren't playing, we were still having coffee once a yeah. week. It's a chance to get together with the people I love and do the things I love. Yeah. You know, and that's what it's all about yes. as far as I'm concerned, man. That's what the whole thing is about. Who so, was that guy that said, the life I love is making music with my friends? <laughs> yeah. You did that one time. <laughs> yeah, you say that a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I invented that after I heard Willie Nelson say it. Okay. Yeah. We, so, we, we do have like one of the very few jobs where it's literally called playing. Yeah. You know what I mean? You we really, play sports is, and you play music. That's it. Yeah. You know, and there's there's really something to say about that. Yeah. And definitely. I'm horrible at sports, so I have to yeah. play music. <laughs> yeah, well, we're all well, maybe we're not all renaissance people to a certain extent. I don't know. I walk the line. So, man, it's been so great to have you guys in, spend a little time here in the studio. Thank it's you so for inviting me back. back it's I... fantastic. I love what you do. I love what you do. I, 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 my regular radio gig these days is at an awful time schedule. It's like four to midnight. So I never get out to see music, which is a, it's, it's a real problem for my world. Plus, I don't see anyone I love at all <laughs> through the week. Like everybody's asleep when I'm awake and vice versa. It's tough, man. Yeah, if I, if I want to be around people that I, I like a lot, I have to form bands so I see them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like me and my friend Ruben and my friend Luis, we've, we've decided like, we don't socialize enough. Let's start a group and lose some money together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's let's start a money pit, shall we? Hey. <laughs> All right. So this has been the yeah, Skip Heller Quintet. We've got Skip Heller on guitar and vocals, Garrett Lofgren on acoustic bass, Owen Jenkins on acoustic guitar, Mark Borenstein on drums, and Ashley Kay on vocals. It's been so great to have you guys come in today. 
Thank you again for Absolutely. having us. Uh, my you. pleasure. And Skip, you've got this uh, relatively brand new record, San Fernando Valley Blues, a sort of best of collection from 2008 to 2012. You've got this brand new 78 coming out this summer. Looking forward to hearing that. Just pick them up. See them uh, second Sunday of every month at the Redwood downtown LA and every Monday night at Bob's Espresso North Hollywood. Skip and the band, thank you so very much. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you to the Independence Day staff, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. Independence Day's website is taken care of by Tony Piscotti, Tony Tonelok Piscotti, I should say. Uh, Independence Day's theme music is composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. For Independence Day, I'm Joe Armstrong. If you do anything, please be good to one another. Okay, so there's the end of that. Okay. And then do we need to do a little tagger? Tag yeah, we're just going to do a short little tag okay. for, the, for the Independence Day uh, for the web exclusive here. Let me think on this for just a second. Okay, three, two, one. My name is Joe Armstrong. This is an Independence Day web exclusive with the Skip Heller Quintet. You can learn everything you know about them at skiphellermusic.net. They came in, they did a really, really smoking bunch of songs in a style that's almost indescribable. I don't know, country-politan, jump band, swingy kind of acoustic music. I love it. Skip, thank you. Thanks to the band. Thanks for coming in. You've got one more tune. What's this going to be? Uh, this is called Tracy Lee, and it's actually a true story about a, a real a real club in Philadelphia, a real girl who was there, who was still very lovely after all these years. All right. It's a rare thing. Beauty is relative, and beauty is the best thing, except for love. Thanks, guys. Let's hear this. That's it. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm <laughs> going to the men's room.